Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and thank you for downloading this week's podcast of the best of The Breakfast Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the brilliantly brainy Dara O'Brien brings the giggles with the ongoing series of Mock the Week, now in its 19th iteration. Culture Club's iconic frontman, Boy George, tells us about his upcoming show at the SSE Arena Wembley and his ever so public ding-dong with Piers Morgan. Singing sensation Paloma Faith dives into her fabulous fifth album, Infinite Things. And the one and only Jason Isaacs lifts the volcanic lid on his soon-to-erupt disaster film, or is it Skyfire? All of that and loads more still to come. Now, Dapper Dave, tell us who's our first guest today. His new movie is about to erupt just like the enormous volcano it features. The mega-budget blockbuster Skyfire can be yours from Monday. And here to tell us more is an actor with the power and might of Vesuvius, Etna and Krakatoa combined. It's the lavaly, Jason Isaacs! All right, Jason? No, I'm not all right. Don't talk to me. Send someone to stop Stig leaving the building. I, I want to listen to him all day. How good is he? I can't bear it. I got upset listening to him, to be honest with you, because he remembers everything he's I know, read. And I, I could just read the same two books on a loop because I forget. I wonder if that's to do with you being an actor, because I'm the same. So I can remember pages and pages of scripts, but only like for 24 hours because yeah, it's been exactly what I've right. done. Because I've done, done it for a living, more or less, for, for ages. It might be that we were drawn to a business where you had to have a very good short term memory and nothing else. So you can give the impression of being professional and really your head's just a big sieve or a colander. It's Maybe that's what we were drawn to this business. I don't know funny because you're echoing exactly what we were saying when Stig had left and the news was on about the fact that you you can't hear him trying to remember what he's talking about. He's not having to remember it. He he has instant access. Yeah. and One of my best mates is uh, Old Parker who wrote, you know, Mamma Mia 2 and and, uh, many, many other great things. And he... um, and he just remembers everything he's ever read and every speech, he's, you know, every newspaper article, every cut and every film. And as you're talking, he casually throws them in yeah. because they're important. It's, it's how he structures an argument or whatever you're talking about. And every single time it's like a punch to my gut because I, I got nothing to come back with. I, I remember nothing. And mine is just I, I create from scratch every time I open my mouth. There's nothing. Nothing well, at all. Well, you're a lovely man. I'll tell you what, you've got to read, you've got to read this book of his. Seriously, we'll send, you, we'll send you a copy, Jason. I promise. I was about to click through to buy it, and then I was inspired by you saying, I don't buy things from Amazon. And I thought, you know what, during the last six months, <laughs> my family have personally paid for Jeff Bezos' space mission. Well, it stops now. I didn't I'm going to find some other route to get it's it. It's funny that's what you heard, because that's not what I said. This is like an episode of The Affair. Oh, I said I've never bought anything online. And you, you've uh, now, you've uh, now, uh, uh, you've now converted the, to that to, to sort of mitigate what, your you your hate, your hate for Bezos. Yes. <laughs> All right. No, I'd like be good to go to a bookshop. We've got a lovely local bookshop. Yeah. I'm presuming it's closed. Actually, you know. Yeah, All right, they, they, are, they are for now. All uh, right. Very so cool. your film Skyfire, which I watched last night, and I've oh, got thanks. to tell you, I th- cinematically it's absolutely fantastic. Now here we go. Listen up, everyone. Here's the plot. So we have um, we have a live and active volcano, uh, <laughs> and we have a theme park tourist resort built around this still active volcano. Um, Jason, what could possibly go wrong? 
Exactly. I'm a, I'm a well-meaning entrepreneur, as the current government is. I'm led by the science, and I think it's a very good idea to build a tourist resort inside an active volcano because it's not going to go off, they all tell me. Uh, and it doesn't, and it's a lovely five-minute film about people having a happy time on holiday. Or <laughs> it goes off within about 30 seconds, and all hell is let loose by the wonderful Simon West, the director who can handle stuff like that, who did Con Air and The Expendables and Lara Croft and stuff. And he was just given a huge toy box by the Chinese because this is officially a Chinese Film. I'm the only English-speaking person in it, and uh, and then it's just nothing but mind-boggling stunts and some very emotional Chinese acting. So where, where did you to get say. to go to film it? Uh, Malaysia. We went right. to, uh, and I was going to go to Beijing for the premiere, and uh, this all uh, stuff happened, uh, and I decided not to get on a plane. Thank God. But uh, but we did shoot in this giant resort, which was half finished, and uh, I was staying in a really horrible, manky hotel in a nasty area, and I said. Why can't I? Can I stay in the resort where we film every day? And they went, "Well, it's not real." Well, what do you mean it's not real? It's got ten thousand rooms and twelve swimming pools. And they went, "Yeah, yeah, it's not actually a real thing." Uh, if you look, the palm trees on the beach are held up by girders, and the sand is only an inch thick with tar underneath it. Yeah. But anyway, we shot in this giant resort, and they kept on doing. I'm used to it from Harry Potter. And they went, "Look up there, there's a volcano. Watch out, there's a lava bomb. Oh, there's someone burning next to you." Uh, and I thought, well, this is going to be fun. And then they started releasing the real smoke and real fire and real ash in the air through which you have to run. It would be fine if I spoke Chinese. But when people are shouting in Chinese, watch out on your left. There's a thing behind you. Oops, that's hot. And you don't understand. Is the risk assessment not as sort of diligent in, in China? Oh, it might be if you, if you understand what they're talking about. Yeah, right. I, I okay, did, but you know. uh, it's also got the coolest cable car straight out of Thunderbirds. Um, you, you do want to yeah. go there. You think, well, this uh, obviously it turns out to not be such a great idea. Um, but you 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 would want to go. I mean, I'd want to check into this hotel if I'd I could. I'd want to go. Yeah, you would want to go to an active volcano. It's one of the great great wonders of the world. It's one of the most extraordinary things. I, you and I are of an age where we probably manage our risks slightly differently now, but I still like to do things like jump out of a plane or whatever. I think, well, it's a one in, you know, three million chance of it not opening. And, and uh, that felt, if a bunch of people told you it was safe and scientists say they can measure it, you probably trust them. Yeah, but isn't I it think. funny? You talk about being of an age and, and, you know, our relationship to risk. But obviously, you know, as as one gets older than it, even we are, um, it can go the other way. You think, well, what the heck? You know, what have I got to lose? I'd rather go down in flames. So that when was... I was about to jump out of a plane, I thought, I've got kids. What am I doing? Yeah. Imagine if I say, no, I lost my dad. He was, uh, we collected him in a plastic bag. Yeah. yeah, no, I, it's always about my kids. I never think about me. I don't, I mean, you know, I've done anything interesting I'm going to do. Good point, well made. Um, the last time we talked to you was um, to do with the Mumbai film. So you, you have a lovely career, don't you? Because, you know, you always play so, sort of semi-baddies, um, but they're not terribly well, no, bad. It's interesting. It's yeah. very interesting you should say that because, uh, you know, am I the villain of the film? Is Richard Attenborough the villain of Jurassic Park? Asked, lovely, cuddly, dear, late, great Dickie. He built a park where the dinosaurs turned around and ate everybody we yes. cared about. And, and is he the villain? No, he's a lovely fellow who was doing his best. He thought he was, he's an entrepreneur. He's an Elon Musk. He's a, he's a Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's in the forefront of, you know, uh, providing things for consumers. Yeah. Uh, and it goes a little bit wrong. Because, you, because you're not evil in this, sort of, the last film I was talking about, but you're just sort of not very moral, aren't you? You're sort of f- That's true. morally fallow, um, but not well, there evil. Are lovely films I've got in the can, if you pardon that expression, uh, but I don't know when they're ever going to come out, in which I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'm lovely and charming. The thing is, years and years ago, about five million years ago, I did some episodes of The West Wing, in which I'm a very well-meaning journalist in Gar- 
Gaza and there's a bomb and it blows up some of the you know main characters of the West Wing, one of whom I'm in love with. Uh, and even then, and I hadn't done the Harry Potters yet, even then people went, I bet he did it. I'm like, no, he didn't do it. He's a journalist. It's something to do with my face in repose has something sinister about it. So sometimes I say to my wife, oh, can I have the salt? And she goes, that is the rudest thing anyone's ever said to me. And I go, no, I just mean can I have the salt. It's, so, all, it's you all in know. the eyes. You're right, it's in the eyes. Uh, great to talk to you. What are you doing for the weekend then? Let's bring it close to, to now. There are no weekends in an unemployed actor's life. Every day's a weekend. <laughs> I'm washing up, Chris. That's all I do. I wash up. I sit in front of my computer. I go, 48,000 unanswered emails. And then I do a lot of podcasts. That's a lie. Sorry. All right. And in between all oh, that Skyfire, uh, Jason's brand new movie available on Blu-ray, DVD and digital Monday, 23rd of November. God bless you, son. Oh, thanks a lot. It's lovely to hear you. Ta-da. You're, you're audio cocaine. Cheers, pal. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a stand-up comedy legend that knows how to pick out a hit TV format. Series 19 of the consistently excellent Mock the Week continues tomorrow night on BBC Two. And here to tell us more is the man that's been there from the very start. It's the king of long-running laughs, Dara O'Brien. Good morning, Dara. Good morning. Dara. For making me feel old with the introduction. 19. Sorry. 19 of these. But it's 19 seasons. It's not 19 years, is it? It's actually about 15 years. <laughs> so uh, it does feel it was like Blair in 2005 and yeah when no we started no way yeah, yeah 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 yeah. shut the front door oh yeah, my goodness absolutely. me what kind of jokes are you making about Blair then can you remember I, I honestly I can't do things with Sherry as well I mean I think we kind of were who knows it's all vicious back then as well uh, so who knows what it was it was all a much more young savage show I think at the time that's how people some people remember so uh we're much more whimsical and silly now. Isn't that uh, funny? It's funny that you point that out because that is absolutely 100% true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, people do. But yeah, I mean, I think we were, we were all like at 30 and coming out of the clubs and it was all elbows. It was all people elbowed furiously. It was a generation of comics. They're, much, they're really different now, comics. They're really collaborative and they really they actually work together well. They're just very, it's, it's fun to work with young comics now. They're, yeah, it's so uh, funny you say that because it's so true, Dara, and I'm so glad you pointed that out because, you know, being around that scene, you're not, not being a comic, but being around the, that scene for a long, long time, I always thought that was quite sad, you know, and you used to get for various events, awards and things, lots of comics or people involved in comedy in, in a room and there was quite a lot of sort of, well, I don't know what you... For Definitely frosty, frosty at best, I would say. A bit of antipathy towards each other. It was an interesting one, yeah, because it was, it was like, I mean, the comedy awards were a perfect example of that. They were like a weird mix of celebration, but also savagely <laughs> towards each other. So, uh, and that's kind of it's sort of fun that, um, and I think, it create, but it creates a kind of an atmosphere of, of people being very elbows on on panel shows and stuff. And I think we're sort of much more. It's, it's much more fun now, I have to say. Yeah, and so, it, yeah. and comedy should be fun. They, they often say, don't they? Comedy is a serious business, but it doesn't have to be. And if you look at the way that comedians interact with each other in America, it's always been more collegiate, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a very, they just have a different... But then, look, American comedy is so mad, they're in this bubble of where they don't know we exist. And <laughs> it's really, really funny oh, no. if you meet a well-known American comedian, you go, hi, I'm also a comedian. They're going, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, you get, this, you get a particular blank stare off them. But uh, we also have this... We for the, the first one last night that we did with no audience, just Zoom, mm. which we were very worried about, that it would be, you know, you'd have a big delay and it would just throw the whole thing off. But 
it's working surprisingly well. It seems it, it seems that it's actually better than having an ice, an audience who are like spaced five seats away from each other. Yeah, um, is having them sit in their own house. Uh, and uh, and they did they did a joke that we did where I said, look, everyone disappear from shot. So they all disappeared from shot, and we did a thing. We go, hey, what happened? Let's check in with the Zoom audiences, and it was just like fifty empty chairs in suburban houses, uh, and so and then they all crept back into shot again. So they're, they're it's fun. They're, they're they're you know it's you find ways to play with it though. You know that's the whole point. Yeah, of it. I, and also comedy doesn't have to be funny, does it? It's it's weird. It can just be amusing and entertaining you don't have to have the big laughs because you know when you get brains like you have uh, working with you every single week you know the likes of Tom Allen uh, on this week's show and Angela Barnes and Ed Burner Milton Jones and Tanya Moore and many many others you know regulars and, and guest appearances you know we just want to be with you we just want to be with clever people having sort of you know sort of higher level conversations not from an intellectual point of view but from an, an energetic point of view somebody was talking yesterday about podcasts what is it why do people love podcasts well it's because it's two people or more trying to have the best conversation they can about something where as when you go to a dinner party or you're having a chat with your mates down the pub or whatever do you remember do you remember when we could do all that do you remember that pub yeah, stuff yeah I do remember that it was good but, nice it was a good thing but Should I pine for it? Yeah, like, well, I, I, I've denied this. But we used to go down the pub, and you know, we'd have we'd have a chat, and it would be a laugh. But in a podcast, you know, or or on a panel show, you 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 people doing the same thing, but you're trying trying to do it the best it can possibly be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you should roll along, but we should be there with you. We're not we're not there to bang you over the head with something. Yes, uh, and so it should it should and you should see us delight in things. I, there's a lot to be said for it looking like you, like. He's being obvious. You're enjoying it. Yes, uh, and that it's very infectious as a thing. So yeah, it's uh, and that honestly, I mean, a lot of like the big laugh when you do it stage show, a lot of the big laughs aren't joke jokes, as in like t- tell me something that you get out of a cracker. They're mm. a thing you build. They're a mood you create. They're just a kind of a you know a, 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 a sort of a, a, a tension you build slowly and then drop them. But it's not like a, people go. I, I, I'm one of these comics who's managed to sustain a very long career, but never turns up on these lists of great one-liners because I can't come up with a one-liner to save my life. But I can I can create a very funny show because I can tell a story that just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. So the you know it's it, they're different skills. I think people get very kind of comedy should be angry or comedy should be this and ah. Just funny. Just let's we'll concentrate on it being funny. Uh, we've got thirty seconds left, Dara. Who's who's um, in your sights this week on Mock the Week? What might you be talking about? Oh God, Mock the Week. We went we went off air for Mock the Week for one week, and uh, Trump left, uh, Cummings left, and they got a vaccine. Thank you, children in need, took over our slot for one week <laughs> and set the world right. All right, Dara, lovely to have you on the programme again. Thank you. Pleasure. No uh, worries. What Good a luck. great guy. Uh, Mot of the Week Season 19 continues with episode four tomorrow night, 10pm on BBC Two. Another one of those shows I'd love to watch, but we never get around to watching because we do this show. It's but very you, funny. You enjoy it, my friend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Even a nationwide lockdown can't keep quality pop down for very long. A handful of socially distanced tickets will soon be available for their Rainbow in the Dark, a global live stream gig. And here to tell us more is the karma chameleon of pop himself. Except no imitations, because he's a man with no limitations. It's boy George! Good morning, George! Good morning. You sound very uh, lively, you lot. <laughs> well, that's our job, George. You know that. We have previous, as I far like as that's it. concerned. <laughs> this is amazing. This is this is an announcement of tickets for a gig that you can go to at Wembley Arena in December. Tell us more. Well, I mean, obviously, we're working with the, the local council there to make sure that this is safe, because I've noticed this morning, Piers Morgan's already kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I have people at my gig 
you know, that's his, his job. Yeah. We're going to do it as safely as we can. Obviously, everyone at the moment is dipping their foot in the pool in terms of what we can get away with, um, you know, with live gigs. And as you know, you know, um, people that do what I do haven't worked for a while. <laughs> so uh, we're just trying everything we can to sort of try and make some some sort of event. And I think Wembley, the SAC arena, is big enough to to guarantee social distancing. And, you know, we've been limited 3,000 people, so we're hoping we'll pull it off. Right. So, I mean, you know, in response to, to what Piers is saying, has it made you think twice about it? Because it, it's going to be an online gig anyway, so that's going to be fantastic. Um, you yes. know, in London, hopefully um, the restrictions will be lifted come 3rd of December, but who knows? Because London was in Tier yeah. 3 when we locked down anyhow. And I, I yeah. presume in Tier 3 this wouldn't be allowed to happen. What, what's the latest on that? That I'm not sure about, but, you know, what we're going to do is, obviously, you, you've got to plan these things. But one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask Piers to um, introduce us, but in full drag. Do you think that'll go down well? <laughs> uh, you could give it a go. I mean, he's on form at the moment. He's on fire. Um, yesterday with Matt Hancock. <laughs> Blimey, O'Reilly, that went viral. Uh, and I some. think Piers in a mini crinny and a little Vivian Wexford crown would just top the night off, don't you? Yeah, I think he's got it in him. To be honest, if I'm being honest. <laughs> All right, ticketmaster.co.uk slash Club is where you need to go. Uh, when you go there, do you get the option of uh, virtual tickets or, or physical tickets? You've got a choice of both. Obviously, if you've already bought a ticket for the virtual show and you are able to come to the show physically, then you can swap and you can do a trade. Right, OK. I think you can do an upgrade. I'm not sure how it all works, but um, we're doing everything we can to, you know, get... I mean, obviously, listen, the, the trick is going to be to connect with people whether they're there physically or just down, you know, watching at home. You know, I mean, that's the trick. And I think I can pull that off anyway. But it would be nice to have some people there. Yeah, 100%. I get it completely. I mean, you know, should should the, should the worst come to the worst? And you, for some reason, you know, there is a blanket ban on, on you inviting people in, regardless of whether they have a ticket or not. And that aspect of the offer has to be postponed. Would the online offer go ahead anyway? I think so. Yeah, I'd like to do that because, you know, as I say, we're all just trying to work out ways of how we can do what we do again, you yeah. know. And uh, I think music, for me anyway, during this lockdown, you know, music's been such a powerful thing to me. You know, I've just been sitting around listening to records I've listened to for years yeah. and it's got me quite nostalgic, actually. Yeah, and don't you find there stirring emotions that you forgot you had? Well, you know, I'm a very emotional person, Chris, so, mm. you know, I never forget. <laughs> right, got it. I never forget my emotions. But, yeah, I think it just connects you with, you know, reminds you that you did used to sit and listen to albums all the way through. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's nice, isn't it, to go there, you know, to, to, to take the time to peruse through your, your collection and to pick the right album and, you know, make the right cup of tea while you're listening to it at the right time of day. It's just nice to give it all attention and it changes the way you look at life. Because something, something's happened, you know, over the last few years and we've been carried away, um, you know, in a stream that we didn't really intend to be the one for us and we're all in it together. And now it seems we've all managed to pause and get out of it together, um, which I think is fascinating. A few months ago, a couple of months ago, Actually, only a few weeks ago, actually, George, we, we did a car event at Bista Heritage um, in yeah. September and it was socially distanced and it did work and it was COVID compliant and the police were there, the local authorities gave it their blessing and, and it was okay. And what we what's really important about doing these things, and I'm sure you've thought about this, is what you will discover in putting this on or trying to put this on, which will be beneficial to everybody else in your business going forward. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, not only just the band, you know, when you start looking at shows, you know, you've got to remember makeup people, you know, wardrobe, yeah, yeah. lighting, crew. I mean, all these people are so essential to what we do. And to be honest with you, Chris, at the beginning of this whole 
episode, I didn't even really think about not working. Yeah. I just thought, oh, well, whatever. And then suddenly as time went by, I thought, oh, I haven't worked for six months. I know, I know. And, you've got... and you know, being a workaholic like yourself, you know, I, um, I found it quite difficult. But I've also been able to use that time to, you know, sort of make some new music and create some good things so you know i've been putting it to good use the yeah. time and there's more talk about this biopic are uh, you talking about on the telly last night what's the latest on the culture club uh, slash boy george biopic well what's happening is i think they're casting actually which is really exciting um and who they're casting i have no clue um you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, who would you want to play you? I'm like, well, obviously somebody better looking, taller, younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, All those things. You're... I just want someone to be believable, you know what I mean? Uh, it's also exciting, isn't it? I would, love, I would love, if we could go back in a time machine, I would love Rupert Everett to play you, but he can't now because he's our age, so that wouldn't work. But that would be a young Upe, uh, Rupert Everett playing you, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <sighs> Well, he's a fantastic actor. I mean, I have to say, I'm a big fan, of, a of, fan. of Rupert. And, and you know, he, yeah, it'd be amazing. And um, what are you going to do about the Piers Morgan issue? Are you going to tweet him, text him? Are you going to go on the show and talk about it? Um, well, I don't, he hasn't invited me. But no, I mean, listen, when Piers has to say something, that's Piers' job. Yeah. That's so I'm true. never alarmed when he says something. I mean, right. we, we get on great. So no, 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 no harm. You know, I'm not, I'm not hurt. OK, you never really. And all publicity is good publicity, but sometimes bad publicity is best. Exactly. <laughs> being right. talked about is better than being ignored. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He said that. I think it was um, our friend Oscar Wilde, yeah, wasn't it? Something like that. I think we've yeah. made it a bit more pedestrian, but it was... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're having a go, George. We're having a go. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, together we've heard from three tip-top guests already, but there's still so much more to come. Political powerhouse Andrew Marr looks at the sung and unsung players of the current royal era in his book, Elizabethans, Are Elizabethans, that's Elizabethans, The Second Coming, How Modern Britain Was Forged. The wonderfully witty Griff jones explains how he's rounded up his mates to donate to his online charity auction, Celebrity Bottom Draw, and crafting queen Kirsty Olsop wheels out the glue and fuzzy felt for her festive show, Kirsty's Christmas. Quick and easy crafts. All of that and more still to come, so let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? Lockdown couldn't stop our next guest doing what she does best, making music. Recorded in her basement in between shopping for her neighbours, her new album Infinite Things is out now and here to tell us all about it is a faith that can never be lost. It is, of course, Paloma Faith. Hello, my lovely. <laughs> How are you today? Cockles and muscles. <laughs> alive, alive <laughs> How are you, Paloma? What's going down? Um, I am, I look like absolute appalling i'm not going to swear because it's a family show but i cannot tell you how grateful i am that this is radio <laughs> well that's makes two of us is this particularly now or because of lockdown or what it's because i am obviously as you know um i'm pregnant and i get really tired and last night 
I just got into bed with full makeup on and didn't brush my teeth. <laughs> Again, that makes two of us. All right, good. So, Infinite <laughs> Things out now. Tour tickets available, PalomaFaith.com. Uh, the new album, um, A Voyage of Discovery for You in many, many ways. Tell us about some of that. Um, well, I haven't produced before, or everyone keeps calling it production, but it's like it's basically just pressing record. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I haven't really, well, I've always had lots of people staring at me when I've sung and recorded albums before. And it's quite disconcerting, but I realised in this that actually I'd really benefit from just being on my own and um, going for it and being able to make mistakes and delete them if I want to, which is what I've done for this. And I think the product, you know, all the songs, it was only, only gold wasn't recorded in my basement at home but all the others were from the album Infinite Things, out now. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite amazing because you can sort of hear that I'm really going for it and that I'm a bit un, uninhibited and I think it sounds better. But you're always uninhibited. So this is, you know, times a thousand. But not surprisingly, A, you're, you're in lockdown. B, you're in... The, the basement C you're six months pregnant D this is following many many rounds of IVF um, not dissimilar to what my wife experienced A congratulations B um, uh, God bless everybody who's going through similar uh, or trying to or unable to but hopes to in the future um, but six rounds I mean you know the harvesting of those eggs we both know about that don't we I mean that is that is some trauma on the old body it wasn't um, one of my most enjoyable experiences of life if I got a choice between that and the Maldives, I'd choose the Maldives. <laughs> All right. Um, so what's going on with the tour? I mean, when's the tour supposed to kick off? Um, September 21, which I feel really optimistic yeah. and hopeful will happen. You should be okay then. I would imagine you'll be okay by yeah. then. Yeah. I feel like if, it, if we're not, then we really need to seriously rethink um, our decisions as a community in britain <laughs> no i think i think i think we're good i mean even the most realistic um immunologists are saying we we should they're saying that this isn't the beginning of the end nor is it the end of the beginning um but uh if it was a movie and um, we've gone through the only titles the story's been set up and um you know at least by autumn next year we should be in a much better place so uh, how many dates are you hoping to accomplish by then um well, it's 26 dates, that tour. Right, OK, good. Which is the most dates I've ever done. Right. But I'm going to not be a martyr this time, because last time I went on tour with the baby, I was like, I'm going to do it all myself. And I was waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning, putting my bed, baby to bed at 7, two hours to get my hair and makeup done, on stage by 9, off stage by 11, in bed by midnight, and doing it again the next day. And it was nuts. I, I literally lost my mind. Yeah, and you don't need to do it. I that's the point. I living a double life. I know, I know. But you always put yourself through the mill, don't you? That's, that's in your DNA. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with maybe being half Spanish and the Catholicism. <laughs> 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 what original sin and all that okay good yeah just like you must suffer all right okay i can't believe it's only your fifth album i thought you'd done 10 um but what... maybe you're just bored of me you're no, like, oh, no i love you when they said paloma's coming on the show i said yeah good can't wait can't... by the way i can't wait to see you again can't wait to to hear i think we're doing something together next year I think that's that's um, I think so. I think that's going to happen. That's I can't wait to see people that aren't in my immediate household. I mean, they're great and everything, but they get boring, don't they, every day? 
No. Oh, don't lie, Chris. My Come wife's on. listening, for heaven's sake. The answer is no. <laughs> okay, there's the correct answer and the right answer. <laughs> I'm giving you the correct answer right now. But, of course, you have the perfect bubble. because you... I know somebody whose wife gave birth and he didn't <laughs> tell her that she did poo herself because he wanted to protect her from the truth. And to this day, I'm not even going to tell you who it is, she really believes that she was like a majestic birth experience yeah, and, and looked beautiful the whole of time. Course, of course, and, and she did. She did. Absolutely. She I'm did. like B, he's got the worst water retention ever. I look like an elephant. All right. Well, they often talk, talk about turning lead into gold, um, as did Van Morrison, um, you know, in his uh, Alchemist-themed song. But now we're going to turn Brown into gold because that's what's just happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paloma, I love you so much. Thank you for being on the show. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He not only knows what's happening today, he's pretty up to speed with what happened every yesterday before it. His new book, Elizabethan's How Modern Britain Was Forged, is out now and here to tell us all about it. He's Mar by name. He's marvellous by nature. It is, of course, Andrew Mar. Good morning, Andrew. Chris, I'm really sorry you haven't read it. You've missed a fantastic, exposing chapter about Chris Evans. <laughs> Outrageous. In which case, I would definitely have read it. Of course I would. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, I'm so engaged. When, you, when you're given... Um, 900 pages of text to read at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning for the next day and yeah, you think no, there's, there's no chance. Of course, course you do. And that's why I'm being completely honest with you. But yeah. it does sound fascinating and I can't wait to read it. So it's uh, Elizabethans, but it's us lot. It's second it's time round, isn't Elizabethans it? Elizabethans so, now. Yeah. So, so give, give us the, the, price of the, book, the premise of the book. I know it's all about comparisons, isn't it? And it's, it's very interesting to use yeah. the, the Queen's timeline of her life and her reign uh, to see the, the evolution, the development and the bumps in the road that is our nation and indeed the world. Yes, well, it's 70 years. It's more or less an average lifetime still, a bit less than that now. But um, it's, it's a good way of looking. If you think of the British in 1952 when she arrives and the British now, and you think of how much we've changed. We've changed from the outside enormously. You know, there are far more um, people of black and, and Asian origin in, in the UK these days. Uh, we tend to be a bit fatter. Uh, we're much more um, consumerist. We've got bigger cars, blah, blah, blah. But I thought the really interesting changes are the changes inside our heads. And if we could be teletransported back to the early 50s, people would think, hold on a second, you know, our views on sort of liberalism, on sexuality, on gender, on race, on the empire, Britain's place in the world, they've changed enormously. And so I wanted to write a book about how our views, our attitudes have changed by taking individual kind of heroic or demonic change makers and telling their stories. And that's what the book is, really. It's a, it's a lovely way to tell a story. And some people get mentions by name. And I wonder why. Uh, why not, of course. But Ridley Scott pops out at me. So Ridley Scott, there's a really interesting thing. So one of the things that I think is forgotten um, about the British in this period, and I wanted to write a bit about the British at work, because that's how we earn our place in the world and all that, um, is that in the 70s, um, a whole series of British filmmakers transformed TV ads and then film ads and then Hollywood itself. And Ridley Scott's a really good example of that. You know, a northeastern guy from a sort of uh, um, fishing and military family, he comes, he comes to art school. The art schools are really, really important all the way through. They produce a lot of the rock stars, a lot of the pop stars, the artists, of course, but also the filmmakers. And it's a period when you get these young... Um, hipster, gunslinging ad men, including people like the Saatchi brothers. 
and they just completely transform the way that we see the world. So that's why Ridley Scott's there. Yeah, and that, that, I mean, that whole thing, you know, when you expand upon just one chapter in the book like that, you know, you could have written a whole book about the monarchy and the middle classes, um, yeah. rock and roll being posher than one might have thought initially, and then how that feeds and art school feeds into the world of advertising and, you know, how yeah. the big budgets of the big brands of the 80s then feed into our lives and, and make us want more and more and more. And then, of course, um, the demise of, of that industry um, because advertising now seems to be more effective in, in different ways. And that's all just that chapter. So that's, that's just a few pages. I know exactly. exactly. So, so when you when you decide to, I mean, you've done so much heavy lifting for what ends up being a pretty heavy book, anyhow. Um, and I don't mean that as far as yeah. you know, uh, getting through is concerned. But th- there's plenty to to dive into here. How do you go about arranging a book like this? Well, so I th- I thought, what are the really big changes? Um, and if you take uh, another one, you might say um, sexuality. Yeah. Um, gay libra. What are the stories that really ex- expose how much has changed and who are the people you'd really want to focus on? So you take an area like that and then there's obviously it pops up people like, you know, Quentin Crisp. Um, I discovered that when Coventry Cathedral was reconsecrated um, after, the, after the war, the Queen was there, the Duke of Edinburgh was there, there were eight archbishops there, huge, huge, big state occasion. And right at the middle of it, there were two gay men who were living together. Uh, Benjamin Britten and Peter Pears, his lover. And um, because they were great, successful artists, as it were, nobody said a thing. In fact, you know, the Queen came to see them. They went to Sandringham or Balmoral, I can't remember which it was now, but they stayed with the Queen together. Um, And so this is before legalization. And that really struck me. So I told that story. And then you think about, well, who are the really big sort of heroes of the the legalization um, for gay rights? And actually, I thought one of the really interesting ones, I found this fantastic piece of TV archive where George Melly, the great George Melly, has got a late night TV show and he is completely plastered <laughs> and he's interviewing Graham Chapman right. of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Graham Chapman, um, who was a very macho, rugby playing, um, pipe smoking, beery bloke, but who was also gay, is the first person to have come out live on British television. And it's an extraordinary interview because he's even drunker than the, the host, George Melly. And so his story is there as well. And, you know, that's how I do. I kind of read sideways. I look for people's adventures and stories and then read more and more and more until the story jumps out at me that I have to tell. Um, before you go, I know you're not really allowed to give us your take on things, um, but if you could, what might you say at the moment in the world generally? <laughs> Take on things. Um, well, two thoughts. Um, we've never seen anything like uh, an American president being defeated fairly and fairly heavily in an election and refusing to accept it and refusing to go. Uh-huh. I think there's really serious questions there for the states, uh, above all, on people how, how people behave with the coronavirus epidemic in the U.S. Uh, it's a really, really solemn and difficult few weeks ahead in the United States. Um, and here I just look around and I think, why is it that we as a country um, can't really organize things properly anymore? You know, whether it's the moonshot testing or whether it's um, all sorts of aspects of the coronavirus crisis, whether it's private companies or um, the state, we're not very good at doing stuff anymore. And somehow, over the next 10 years, we've got to be a better organized, more effective and more efficient country. Amen. All right, well, let's hope you're here as um, one of our parallel uh, guiding runners on a Sunday morning along with our safe on Skype. Thank you, Andrew. All 
right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take awesome care. Awesome to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. And let me just say this again. Elizabethan's is Andrew's book. I hadn't read it. Did you read it, Vassos, at all? No, there wasn't a spare copy. Right, sorry. So I, I took it home not to read. <laughs> sorry, I can only apologise. It looks fantastic. And I promise you, I am going to read this. It's so interesting. Elizabethan's, but our Elizabethan's, second time around, how modern Britain was forged by Andrew Marr. Um, it, does, it doesn't get better from a storytelling point of view uh, when somebody has to do all the heavy lifting and distill the facts for you and then give it a bit of levity. Andrew is the man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Is it a man? Is it a machine? We may never truly know, but his new book might shed some light on it. His autobiography, Revolution, is out now. So let's say hello with a great big new wave to a musical legend that's older, wiser, and still very much synthesizer. It's the legendary Gary Newman. Good morning, Gary. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you, mate. Doing good. Um, I read your book yesterday, literally cover to cover. I couldn't put it down. I didn't realise that you were part of this massive 1958 UK children's study. Let's let's dive in there, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Every, every child born between the 3rd of March and the 9th of March in 1958 has been part of a, a child development survey. And they've just followed our lives from day one. Um, I actually pulled myself out of it a few years back um, for, for various reasons but it followed me all through my school days early career um, and, and it just involved lots of exams and medicals and all kinds of extra things just to see how we developed socially and economically and so on based on our backgrounds and, and upbringing. it was fascinating to be a part of but I think for me my life experience has become so different and so unusual, I think I've become somewhat irrelevant to, to what it's looking for. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's all part of the same story, but I know exactly what you're saying. You have led an extraordinary life. I mean, obviously, I've been aware of you. Uh, we've met before, and I've played your songs on the radio, and, uh, you know, I've followed your career completely, and I love your music. But it's just the way it all came about, it's absolutely fascinating. So you, you can play the keyboards, you, can, you could play the guitar, but you were never exceptional. But what you were really good at was writing songs. Yeah, I, I think as a musician, I'm I'm below average. Always have been. Um, never really bothered to learn that much about it. To be honest, I, but I've, I've got an ear for tunes, and so I can play well enough on the guitar, and I can play keyboards well enough to be able to put tunes, melodies together, and so structure songs out of them. And that was my interest. In fact, more than just putting songs together, my interest was in sound, was in noises. And trying to find noises that were interesting and find a way of making unusual noises into music. And that's really where the synthesizer thing came in, because it was only when I discovered that, that I really found a, a true home, if you like, for what my interest really was. And it was just arranging noises in, into some form of music, which I think which is why it was so unusual to begin with, because I really didn't have any kind of template to follow so it was just really fascinating and everything about it was a sort of felt experimental I don't think it was that experimental but it felt like that you know it felt exciting like it was something very different yeah it was more practical than theory really yeah I think you know when I was young I was I was into guitars before keyboards came along but even then it was I, I used to sit on the floor with the, an arrangement of you know foot pedals effects pedals for the guitar around me and I would hit the guitar and then just press the buttons and to see what weird noises it made. So even back then, long before I found synthesizers, I was I was less interested in playing it 
and you know, learning my scales and all those different whittly things that really good players can do, I wasn't really into any of that. I was into what weird noises it would make, and then, you know, as I say, trying to shape that into some form of music. But I, I, I think I do have an ear for melody, and, and I think that's the thing that keeps dragging me back into sort of conventional music is this need to have tunes, yeah, <laughs> you know, some something memorable in your song that, that you know that that makes a difference. I know. Well, when these riffs kick in, you know, da, na, 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 you just can't. They can't pass you by. I, I love the story about when, when you came up against a music teacher who who said the music you'd written down didn't look right, and you said, well, it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it sounds sounds all right and it sounded more than all right and that's something you didn't get straight off the bat um you got to see the sex pistols and the clash in period what was that like uh, yeah well I, I didn't know it was the clash um i just went to a gig with my mates and and it was the clash <laughs> so it was good to be there to sort of witness that right at the beginning before it, be, it exploded into something special and um the, the sex pistols i was at the notre dame gig uh in london um Again, yeah, it was really right at the front end of all that when it was exploding. I used to go to a club in Wardour Street. Um, I think it was called Vortex. I can't remember for sure now, but they all used to go there and hang out there. So I, I was never, I was never a part of it in that sense. But I was sort of around where they were and watched it all happen. It was it was an amazing time actually. But it it felt it it just felt as if it was opportunity on every street corner. I think that's what the thing that punk did more than anything was it just kick-started a whole load of new interests. And so there was new record labels springing up everywhere. You know, all the, the existing record labels were trying to find their punk band. So suddenly it was a very fertile ground for somebody that was ambitious to find a, a doorway in that had felt to be sort of very firmly closed before that. And, um, and it, just, it just created this incredibly exciting vibe. To be truthful, I was never really that into the musical side of punk but as an opportunity um period it was it was amazing he was and you know i, I did i was i was around but i was too young uh, to, to go to the gigs but you could feel the energy um so gary gary was born gary anthony james webb we now know him as gary newman but in between valerium tell us about valerium <laughs> yeah that's a bit of a mistake <laughs> to be fair um i was i was working for a company that was putting air conditioning units in the buildings in london and we were driving into London one day, and I saw somebody had written some, some intellectual graffiti artist that had written Valerian on the side of a wall somewhere. And I didn't know what it meant. I just thought it was a cool-sounding word. So I thought, oh, I'll use that for a bit. Used it on one single, my first single, and then realised it was a huge mistake and never used it again. But I think it means a flowering herb or something <laughs> like that. Vivarium is what you keep snakes in, so Valerium is maybe what you keep valleys in, but uh, it has to be very big yeah, in that case. And you're also very candid about um, you one of the you were one of the first people to publicly talk about a hair transplant. Um, how's the hair nowadays? How's that going on? How's the barnet, my friend? <laughs> okay, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Gary. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, mate. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. very welcome. All right, it's a great book, Gary Newman, the autobiography. It's a huge tome, um, and I couldn't put it down yesterday. It's absolutely fascinating about how much you need to know and don't need to know to have a huge, huge successful career in the music business. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. 
We all know our next guest can find your perfect home, but now she can get it decorated in time for Christmas too. Her two new festive and crafty Channel 4 shows are on very, very soon. And here to deck the halls with some homemade holly is the finest of all of Santa's little helpers. It's the lovely Kirsty Alsop! All right, Kirsty. Hello, Chris. How have you been? Come on, how is the irrepressible Kirsty Alsop's um, personality and general all-round human ma- magic been during lockdown? Um, you know, like everyone else, you have your good days and you have your bad days. Mm-hmm. You have your manic tidying days and your kind of cooking and freezing for the day you will have more people in the house days. And then, you know, other days when you just think, oh, Lord above. But um, no, I, I've been very lucky because we've been working on Location, Location and Love It All List It. And then we did our brilliant socially distanced Christmas show. So that was quite hard. We moved to outside, we put a marquee on the tennis court mm-hmm. and we marked it all two metres apart and we just got on with it. You know, like everyone, you just want to do what you can and, and create what you can yeah. because everybody wants there to be entertainment. You know, your number one job, Chris, is to cheer us up in the morning mm-hmm. and you've gone on doing that, even getting up at two o'clock in the morning and switching on the lurch in Marlowe. <laughs> Uh, do you like Marlowe? Have you been? Have you graced it? With I your have presence? been. It's absolutely lovely. But do you know what? Yes. I've never been asked to switch on Christmas lights. And then this year, I got an email from a friend saying, Will you come and switch on the lights in mm. my area? And then he had to write back and say, It's a virtual switch on. <laughs> well, we were nearly there. We were halfway to where. Um, you, you and your pal were, but then last yeah. week we just had a we just had a rethink. We said, can we do this responsibly? And can yeah. we do it with a bit more fun? You might want to take a leaf out of our book because it's doable. I think it is doable, and I I'm going to have I'm going to send your Instagram video to my friend and say. Let's give this a try. How about this? And by the way, the crew are amazing. You know you know, in telly, and God bless telly and all who sail in her, but you know when they say, you know, you can be here at three, we'll make it as easy as possible, and you'll be gone by five, and it's like, it's like midnight, and you're only halfway through. So I said to the guys, so I said, look, I'm so up for this. Of course I am, and I'll promise I'll be there. I'll get up at half two, and I'll be with you at half three. Um, but I've got, I can't be late for my show, and it's in London, which no, isn't around no. the corner. And they went, no. you, you'll be done in 45 minutes. And I went... Okay, thank yeah. you. Now, I'd built in an hour and a half because I know telly, <laughs> right? Anyway, 45 minutes, we were done. Bang. <gasps> Unbelievable. No, they are, that... tell you, they are the SWAT oh. team in telly. I don't know who they are. I wish I wish met them 25 years ago, let me tell you. Oh. So how does social distancing affect Kirsty's Handmade Christmas Channel 4 Monday, November 30th, a week on Monday, 8pm? Well, it's funny you should ask because this time last year, I was sitting, you know, having meetings and I said... I want snow this year. I really want snow. We haven't had real snow for a few years on the Christmas show. So let's film it in February because it's much easier to find snow. Mm -hmm. And everyone went, "Mm, oh, we can't do that. And I said, yes, we can. Why would we not? No one's going to cancel Christmas, are they? Um, So we filmed one of the shows in February and we had 24 hours in Switzerland, dancing around in the show. And then we had two days in my flat in London with Phil and my sister and the brilliant Nancy Burt Whistle and a whole lot of other lovely people. Not socially distanced, obviously, because that was in the days. But actually looking back on it, it's very festive and cheery and I'm, I'm thrilled we had it. Very nice. Um, I can't believe, you know, because as you say, it's been a bit of a blah year. Um, but I can't believe that we last talked in April. Even when the year's not great, time can still fly by. And we've I got know. to bear that in mind because that's so important, isn't it? It's so 
important and we we are going to get through this and we people obviously i've been talking a lot about christmas recently just doing the christmas shows and people keep on saying what are you doing christmas what are you doing christmas and i just say i'm flexing you know when you lift something heavy people say put some flex in your knees bend your knees and i think that's what we need to do at the moment i'm a planner and a control freak i'll fully admit it so it's not the easiest way to be for me but i think we just have to try and take each day as it comes not not fight against the inability to plan. And also for a lot of people, and this sounds like heresy coming from me, but there are a lot of people who aren't master fans of Christmas and have always rather longed to stay in bed and eat pizza on Christmas Day. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's not focus on this. Um, But (laughs) what we can do is bring out a joint range of new Christmas cards saying Happy Flexmas. What about that? That's good. That's very good. I think that's very good. Right. Uh, uh, Vassus has a story. Well, I watched your your show, Kirsty, and I really enjoyed it. And I think, oh, thank you. I think the bit I most enjoyed was the bit with your sister, so- Sophie. She called Sophie the florist. Sophie, yes, my sister. She's Sophie, yes. ace. I fell in love she with is. her just a little bit. I mean, not inappropriately, but just the, the, no, no, the, no. the appropriate you know, amount. So why did you mention it then? <laughs> she is ace. She's totally ace. And I always say to Channel 4, you should just put us backwards and forwards. Sometimes when I feel like a day off, just take Sophie. What yeah, she did, Kirsty, was... If Vassos isn't busy <laughs> with her... <laughs> Um, she revealed what you used to do as a kid at Christmas to the presents under the tree. And I find this unbelievable, Kirsty. Unbelievable. <laughs> Go on. I am, I, one of the reasons I'm such a good present wrapper is at an early age, I learned how to take a present, unwrap it, see what it was, and then wrap it back up without anybody saying. <laughs> so naughty. <laughs> where, where did you get that naughty streak from? Did you inherit that trait from somebody else or is this, is this homegrown? No, I was actually one of those kids who was quite well behaved, but there were just certain things and I'm not very patient. Mm. And I hated waiting. And I just wanted to know what the presents were. <laughs> and if I could do it without getting caught, I would do it. Do you know what? Now you're talking about, I think I used to peek. Because I think that, you know, the folded ends that are folded like envelopes? Yeah. If, yeah. If, if they have gently sellotaped, you can sort of, you can sort of unpick that. And you oh, can, you can, you can sorts of ways. open up the peak of the point, can't you? And you can sort of spy in. Did you open them, play with them? Maybe sell yeah. them. <laughs> no, no. That would have been way too extreme. No, of course not. Uh, Kirsty, a joy to talk to you. I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so I literally much, cannot wait to see you again. I love you. I love you. Not as much as Vassas loves your sister, but anyway. Entirely inappropriately. <laughs> no, appropriate. I said not inappropriately. <laughs> oh, sorry. Entirely inappropriately. Un- the appropriate un- amount for someone un- on television. Yeah. What's that? Is that like the minimum height for an F1 driver? Exactly that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a bona fide comedy legend who's helping A-listers total up their stuff to raise vital cash for charity this Christmas. The week-long celebrity bottom draw online auction begins later this month, so please welcome a man famous for rummaging through celebrities' drawers. It's Griff (laughs) Rhys-Jones! Hey, Griff, how are you? I'm good. How are you this morning? Very well, thanks. I love your auction. Oh, well, I'm so pleased. You know, I'm really pleased to be here talking to you because I need... Tell me about the bumps, the pitfalls. What happened in your auctions that we should learn from? You don't need to because our bumps have sorted everybody else's future potential bumps out. Um, if you look at... How, how do you get to your particular site? Uh, well, if you go to celebritybottomdraw.com, yeah. we, we came up with a nice crazy name. If you go there, you'll find a, a, a link to the site and the, and the catalogue. Yeah. And we go live now. We've got about a week to go. So we go live on the 27th. I love and it. then we've got just over a week for bidding. We're yeah. bidding finishing on the 6th. 
Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, I did that earlier on. Um, so I should have known the answer to my own question. So I'm too excited to talk to you. I'm just, also, I'm complete. I love an auction, and I'm engrossed in your lots uh, that are up for grabs. But um, what they've created for you, different, different to us, they've created a virtual catalogue. So as you as you scroll right to left, the pages turn. It's just awesome. Now the stuff you've got, it is really top notch. It's five stars out of five. Um, who made all the phone calls? How involved were you? Well, I was pretty. I mean, it's like becoming um, Albert Steptoe, isn't it? I, mean, I, I, I was short of getting out a cart and yeah. going around parts of uh, Notting Hill. Redburn, I've, I've letters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, what's very weird is I thought, you know, I'm sitting here and stuff. I'm not going to do anything. So I'm writing letters and talking to people. I have no idea that people were working so much. Yeah. Chris, everybody's out working and doing their shows and everything like that. They're all saying, well, I'm not back. So just this morning, Brent, to Blessing rang up and said, Oh, Griff, I'm working, but I, I tell you what, I'll send you a dress. So, uh, Brenda's going to send us a, a dress, but it's been fantastic because there's been a sort of combination of people who Jonathan Price has gone off to the corner of his mansion or house or everything and, and sort of emptied his wardrobe. I've never seen so much stuff from one person. What about this? Dawn French, lot 31, Rolex watch. Um, who'll open the bidding, please? It's against you all <laughs> in the room. It's against you all online. Evans has it at £1,000. There you go. The, uh, that's a pre-bid. I'm allowed to put... What's it called when you pre-bid? Um, you have... Uh, it's an absentee, isn't it? You, you already have your first absentee bid there, Griff, of £1,000 for Dawn French's Rolex watch, and that is, that is on oh. the money. Now, where's the money going in the end? Well, well, it's going to the East Anglian Children's Hospices because this year, they do such an amazing job, Chris. I mean, I've, I've been involved for some years and visited the Treehouse of Ipswich. And you, it doesn't get a lot of people think it's part of the National Health Service. It's not. But it's a service which holds out a sort of helping hand to people. And when you meet parents and you realise what a job it does for them. Sometimes people saying, you know, with children to look after where they need 24-hour care, sometimes the hospice says, why don't we take that burden for you for a week and let you have a rest? You know, that sort of thing is so moving. Well, it's absolutely awesome. Lot 13, Daniel Laurie's Sony PlayStation 5. And now there's a lovely story behind this. A, how did he get his hands on one? OK, let's forget that. B, tell us the story. His brother-in-law works for Sony or, oh, his brother or something. And so, <laughs> look, here we go, uh, Daniel. Uh, Daniel um, got it. Uh, Daniel uh, got down to himself and he immediately said, I want to give this to this charity, which was just unbelievable. And when I rang Sony and I said, look, we can't let Daniel give his PlayStation away. So Jim uh, Ryan at, at Sony said, oh, no, of course not. And he said, look, I'll give one to Daniel to replace Daniel's, and here's one for the Treehouse too. So it's been a, it's been a win-win situation all round. And we, we, in the auction, have a Sony PlayStation 5, which are apparently impossible to get hold of. Yeah. So we've got one in the auction. You couldn't make another phone call for another grand, could you, to him, to your mate at Sony? <laughs> 10 o'clock today. Maybe two, Rachel? Please. Okay. Vassos? Yeah. Well, we've got a four. Got so a just, four? just the extra two. All right, okay. <laughs> what I really love is that uh, Tom Hollander sent us his underpants. So we're putting out a shout, actually, to people, to hunks across um, and comedy legends. We want to get hold of Reese Iffens, if he's anywhere, to get his underpants from Notting Hill so we can wow. have a sort of, you know, a gentleman's collection. Of, of famous <laughs> underpants. 
to go up on on it. And we've got uh, so we got Tom's. You know, years ago I did. A, you've done a lot of live auctions. I bet I did a live auction, and I had uh, Jude Law had given me the shirt for, that he wore in um, uh, in Cold Mountain, and I I stood on stage at the uh, at the auction playhouse and said, "Who'll buy this?" And I have to say. It's, Jude has never taken this off. He's a method actor. He's never taken this off in the entire time. And we got 4000 for it. And I was able to say to Jude, stand up, Jude. Look, you're wearing a shirt at the moment. Will you give that to the amber bidder? And he said, yeah. So the thing is, what we've got to do is we've got to remind you that if you think, you know, you see it there and you think, oh, I'm, I'm the under bidder. I'm not bidding as much as somebody else. Don't worry. We've actually got a few multiples. Griff, 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 and Griff, 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 things, Griff, things. Griff, don't tell them yeah. that. Don't tell them that yet. You tell them that in the, in the last hour. <laughs> of the auction I've done this before oh right okay don't say no. that ever again on any other no. interview before the last hour of the last day of the auction promise me you're not going to do that again alright I mean I keep promise. your powder dry I mustn't give away the auctioneer's secrets yes I. you don't do that alright and we're not taking bids off the wall I promise you alright good Griff well that's all great and um, please you've wet our appetite come on on the day of the launch of the auction I mean now this is the launch but on the first day of the auction itself come on again Right, come I on, will. come on at a different hour. Different people listening, different times, and then uh, we'll join in the fun because we love an auction, especially right. for a cause like yours, pal. Good man, good man. You I'm looking forward to it. How fantastic! Okay, where do people go again to get join in the fun? Thank celebritybottomdrawer.com Com, and everything sort of opens up. All right, lovely. Thank you so much indeed. But please, can you all back off the PlayStation 5? Because Rachel and I are considering a joint bid, aren't we? Yeah, we'll go for joint custody. This could be the end of the Taskmaster Millions in one simple bid. One fell swoop. (laughs) Don't! You're going to have to give Hertfordshire back. (laughs) I'm sure they'll be pleased. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.